Episode 23, In Defense of Fish. For this episode of the Keep Your Day Job podcast, I've planned something special. Well, kind of special. You see, I didn't have a guest lined up for this week, so I thought I'd try something new. I wrote a piece about an experience I had, which most people would think is either weird or at least out of character for some basic, nearly 40-year-old dad from Central Illinois. Yes, I've written pages of information for no real reason except for to share with all of you why a grown man would take time away from his family to go see a band most have either never heard of or even worse. This is the true story of one of 24,000 strangers picked to see a show at Deer Creek, enjoy the event thoroughly, and have that experience recorded in the form of a podcast. Find out what happens when people stop asking questions and surrender to the flow. This is In Defense of Fish, an essay by Ed C. Part 1. What it is. There is a quote commonly misattributed to Winston Churchill that goes something like this. If you are not a liberal at 25, you have no heart. If you are not a conservative at 35, you have no brain. It is quotes like this that help us understand how life, in some ways, is defined by acceptable norms of behavior staged by the number of times you've survived the earth traveling around the sun. As a person who commonly attempts to subvert norms and traditions of the like, I consciously maintain a number of habits and traits with the goal of staying outside the rut of normalcy. With that being said, this past weekend I traveled to Noblesville, Indiana, to the Deer Creek Music Center, to see the band Fish play three shows. To me, this was a pretty big deal. Before I continue, I should add that I am keenly aware this venue is no longer called Deer Creek, but where I come from, defining places by names that no longer apply can denote a type of personal history that transcends time. In other words, it shows some street cred, implying you've seen shows there before. As a reference, see Chicagoans still saying Rosemont Horizon the Sears Tower, or Comiskey Park, which younger listeners may also refer to as The Cell. Side note, this weekend I climbed to a total of 12 fish shows. To some, that may seem like a lot. To fish fans, however, this places me in the high end of the newbie bracket. You see, I just started seeing them in 2004, which is recent in fish years. The band has been around since the 80s, and most fish fans will mark their first shows in the mid-90s on average. All that to say, I'm speaking about my experience as a fan attending shows. I am no way an authority on the history or catalog of this band. I'll leave that to the Twitter mops. Anyways, back to the story. Now, there are three types of responses I normally get from adults when I announce that I'm attending a fish show. First group, people who get it. These are the people who are familiar with the jam band scene and maybe have even attended a show. These people commonly become cooler to me as a result, mainly because there's a lot less to explain. I also mark these people in my mental Rolodex as people I should maybe try to hang out with. No guarantees. Second group, people who kind of get it. These people are familiar with fish, but have never truly experienced the show. Be wary of people like this who are susceptible to generalizations or, at worst, exaggerations of what this experience is really like. I'm always leery of people like this. 
Third and final group are people who have no clue. This is the group of people who probably have their shit together. To this group, I have to form my reply on the fly based on how judgy they appear. Responses to this group may include phrases from it's been something I've been doing for years to musically, this band is doing things you wouldn't see at any other show. Regardless, there's a strong chance this group will judge you based on this interaction. Nevertheless, I persist. Part two, where it's from. As I look back on my childhood, it's no real shocker to understand how my musical taste developed. I grew up in Chicago, which to me felt like the classic rock capital of the world. For as long as I could remember, the radio was filled with the voices of people like Dick Biondi, Jonathan Brandmeier, and Mancow on stations like Oldies 104.3, 97.9 The Loop, 97.1 The Drive, and 93.1 WXRT. Restaurants, street fairs, and trips to the city were filled with experiences of really diverse live music. Into my teenage years, I continued to cultivate my taste in music. My high school job at a bike shop doubled as a lesson in the history of rock and roll by way of hours of listening to music and hearing stories from my older and what I thought were then wiser co-workers. Once I got my license, my car was literally a vehicle of musical exploration as I went to shows and traveled across the city to record stores like Rolling Stones near the Harlem and Irving Plaza. During this time, my music collection spanned from the classic rock of The Doors and Rush all the way across to Mushroom Jazz of Mark Farina and sometimes Paul Oakenfold. About my junior year of high school, I came across the Grateful Dead. I had heard them before, but as Wesley Snipes said to Woody Harrelson in White Men Can't Jump, it was at this age I was able to hear them. From there, I was off, snatching up Dick's Picks CDs. And no, Dick's Picks is not what it means now. It was also around that same time that I bought the Farmhouse album by Fish and began exploring that music as well. In college, I was fortunate to find a group of friends who shared my love of music and helped me get way deeper into the bands like Dead and Fish, among many other second and third level jam bands. Live music was part of my weekend routine and road trips were filled with B-sides and deep tracks. Live shows added an entirely new dimension to the music. Now, there was a spectacle to go along with the sound, a tactile experience I could engage with and participate in. Once the lights dropped, there was no turning back. I wanted to see these bands as many times as I could or could afford. It should also be noted that at the same time I was developing a passion for these bands, as an art student, I was learning the stigma of the same bands I loved. Commonly remarking on the casual drug use, my professors would completely disregard the musical genre, reducing it to hypnotic patterns of sound, lacking originality or intent, ignoring the musical accolades of individual musicians. This really shook me. I couldn't believe how a place promoting creativity would shut off an entire genre of art, like in ignoring an entire half of the brain. I attempted to debate the merits of bands like Fish, citing pieces like Gamehenge, but my professors were happy to lock themselves in the leftover angst of the 90s with their super depressing postmodern pre-emo rock. After college, I continued to catch shows and the adventures accompanying them. However, 
the experience continued to change as I aged. In my 20s, I had a more reckless time as I had more than $50 in my checking account. Culturally, this is still acceptable for a 20-year-old to most people, with the exception of my parents and other family members who felt I should do something with my life. This trend continued until I was about 28 when the arrival of my daughter diverted all funds and time in another direction. I continued to follow the music, knowing at some point in the future, I'd earn back some of those assets. In my 30s, I got back on the train, and it became increasingly difficult to explain to my coworkers and bosses that I'd rather go lay on a lawn with 24,000 people I don't know than head to Destin, Florida, or any of the more traditional destination vacations. Over the past 10 years of my life, I developed strong relationships with what I now consider my crew. Shout out to Ott, Blood, Colin, Evan, Tall Ryan, Bob, Dom, Meismer, and Cousin Kev. During that same time, I've seen some amazing shows. I'm talking about the kind of experience that for moments at a time separates you from the traditional time and space relationship. So this begs the question, will I ever age out? Sure. And there's some points where I feel like I already have. But I'd argue those feelings are no more strong than when a group of college kids invade your favorite bar for the night and take over the jukebox. For me, it's hard not to turn on the internal bitter old man, but I remind myself to be mindful of how time forms different for different people at different rates. So to answer the question directly, yes, I most definitely have already aged out. I just haven't convinced myself, my mind, my body, or soul. Don't know what I mean? Well, aren't you too old to be wearing that outfit, getting that tattoo, or staying out so late? We're all old. That's the point. Part 3. How It Grew Now, a piece about jam band culture, in this case my love of the band Fish, would not be complete without a nod to the experience of the show itself. In so many ways, seeing a fish show sucks when considering the things we hate to do as we get older. You stay at places that are more or less sketchy, eat whatever resembles something healthy, it's hot, there's a lot of people, and walking, and waiting. However, there are two components of this show worth expanded on. The lot, and the show itself. First, let's talk about the lot. This is the place where you park, have some beers, connect with people, and get ready to enter or depart the show. If you go to a fish show and don't poke around the lot a bit, you're missing a huge part of the experience. Like the world, the lot is an ecosystem of sorts. It may take a few shows to figure out how to navigate, but once you learn the preferred language and behaviors, the lot is like a hidden level of a video game. One interesting example that I've noticed over the past few years in the lot has been the emergence of internet influencers. You see, Fish has always had a devout following, complete with people who had next-level knowledge of the band and their music. In the past, this group has been crucial in tracking playlists, surfacing rumors, and setting the bar for Fish fandom. Well, in 2021, all of those people have huge followings on social media, so coming across one of them in the wild, the lot in this case, it's like seeing an endangered species and it usually results in a great conversation. Next, let's talk about the show itself, assuming you remember your ticket and can make it in. The music is what we're all truly here for, so while all this other stuff adds to the event, 
It's an appetizer at best. When the band takes the stage, the crowd erupts in unison. As they play, only a fool would interrupt by striking up a conversation. If you have to leave for some reason, maybe to use the bathroom, you better choose that time wisely or you may end up staring at the inside of a dark porta potty when the band busts into that cross-eyed and painless you've been waiting for. Second shout out to Ott. During the show, there are a lot of spiritually charged moments. Songs can resurrect people, places, and experiences which may represent any part of the emotional spectrum from joy to somberness, togetherness to loss. It's for that reason I feel bands like Fish fill the type of void religion commonly occupies. I should note here that I myself am not a very religious person, so you should take my opinions with a grain of salt or whatever you eat at church. That was a joke. Not to equate fish to a religion, it's worth calling out that no two concert goers experience the same emotional ride at a show. A fish show is an overwhelming experience, but in a good way. It is an experience each person can make their own. For me to tell you what I liked about each show would only push me further out onto the ledge of using words to describe something language can't. At set break, when the lights come up, you see the faces of people who got way more than they asked for, but in a good way. People leave feeling refreshed, although in reality you're tired, sweaty, and sometimes your ears are ringing. Nonetheless, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who wasn't ready for another round. Before I end this section about the show, let me throw in some advice for people who haven't attended one. The second set is going to get weird. That's right. Once it gets dark outside, the lighting rig emerges from the darkness and the band explores the music in a way you wouldn't expect during the first set. As a fan of the band, this is where the ticket couldn't cost enough. You see, it is in this time Fish plays music like you've never heard and may never hear again. It's like watching a painting being made in real time only to dissolve into myth if it wasn't caught by that person in the taper section. Part four, how it ends. Each time I see fish, I am blown away, sometimes literally. Another side note, as a fan, I am like Dr. Seuss. I will see fish in the sun, I will see fish in the wind, or in the rain, or in a building, or on a screen. I will see fish however I can. Sometimes I listen to fish and I don't see them at all. It's a break from the world we all know filled with satisfied people, even if most of them are chemically induced. People who all pay money to spend time doing the same things. In a world where no one seems to agree, a fish show can offer three hours outside of common language. For that reason, I will continue to see fish. My advice to anyone who hasn't seen a fish show, don't. You probably wouldn't like it. I've seen the type of people who go there, and trust me, it's not your scene. Just kidding. Everyone should absolutely go see a fish show. But be sure to book your accommodations after I do so that I don't get stuck paying too much. Tickets go fast and hotel prices go up even faster. Want some advice if you do go? Bring friends who have an open mind, make more friends in the lot, buy some wares, and don't talk during the show. After the show, buy a beer in the lot and soak up the sound of thousands of satisfied people who will absolutely be doing it again. Oh, and that hissing sound is nitrous oxide. It sells really well at fish shows. In closing, fish is an experience that is difficult to quantify because no two concerts are the same and no two attendees will have the same experience. As they say in the song Waiting in the Velvet Sea, 
You can't find moments in a box when someone else sets your clocks. Sure, on the face of it, that statement sounds cliche, but as the great Ben Shapiro says, two things can be true. The end. Much like the music of Fish evolves, I would like to announce the Keep Your Day Job podcast has entered 2.0. This means I've, at least temporarily, made it over the hump of seeing this thing as a task, something that is work. I'm no longer really concerned about audience data or promotional content. This is beginning to grow roots within my life, and I look forward to seeing how the content will change as a result. For the audience, I think this is going to start getting better as a result of me caring less about what is non-essential to the quality of this product. I hope within a few more episodes, you'll see what I mean. Feel free to let me know if it sucks. However, I don't know that I can go back. Thanks for listening, and please be safe. COVID is, unfortunately, very real.